with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. Zach Harper is back in town. I'm here. National NBA writer for cbssports.com. We're in playoff time. So we've got lots of playoff stuff to talk about today. All We'll be covering all eight series here in this first segment, uh, watching Cavs-Pistons on TV right now as we, as we come to you. We've also got Laura Thompson joining us on the show, uh, and we've got a lot of awards talk. We're going to start with some, some nice awards, but at, we're better at the, other, at the other end of the scale, right? The weird stuff, yeah. So we're going to do, it's, and Wednesday is opposite day, I think everyone agrees. Sure. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> so, that's a thing. That's what, it, when I was a kid growing up, Wednesday was always opposite day. Okay, it was always, I think it was always like chicken nugget day. Okay. The, in the cafeteria. So I that, think people like really liked Wednesday. Either way, Wednesday, I have that a in good our, time. Our, in our show plan. Sure. We've got chicken nugget talk chicken later. Uh, but we're going to do the like the least valuable player. We're going to do worst defensive player of the year, worst coach of the year, worst starter of the year, worst rookie of the year. We're going to talk about all that in our 8 o'clock segment. Uh, talk about this coach-president dual role, obviously, with uh, Tom Thibodeau getting hired as both the pre- uh, the coach and president of basketball operations of the Minnesota Timberwolves today. We'll kind of talk about whether or not that's a good idea. And, of course, go around the NBA, as always, in a busy, busy time for the league. First of all, Zach, I just want to ask you something about how nice it is outside. I mean, sure. I, I've just been hoping for this sort of weather ever since you arrived in Salt Lake because you've had to live through, like, three months of coldness and now I'm. Just, I just want to be like, this is my hometown. Do you, sure. Do you, do you do you see the glory of where you live? Here's what I like about it: is that I can see snow on the mountains. Yeah. But I don't feel it <laughs> in any way. So I love the imagery with some nice weather. It's still a little chilly in the morning for me. I've got okay. to put on a hoodie when I go get coffee. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I'm not going to be picky. It's it's it, April. It'll, I mean, yeah, it'll get warmer. It will get warmer. That's how the, that's how weather works. But yeah, some, no, it's, half of the time, it's beautiful. It's it's still bright out. Yeah. I don't feel like we're in a dungeon right now. The people who are against daylight saving time, by the way, are, are nut jobs. I guess I don't really understand why we have it uh, after, okay. you know, I guess farms are still a thing, but, <sighs> but, but other than that, like, I don't really get I, why, but I'm not against it. I just it. want, I want perma daylight saving time. That's all right. I want. That, well, yeah, that would make sense to me. Cause yeah, no one wants it to be bright out at 6am. No. Other than farmers, and they're like one percent of the population. I'm not going to say we don't need farmers anymore because we clearly <laughs> do. But we, I don't know. We can we can get by just they're fine manufacturing okay. a lot of horrible food for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they'll be fine either way. Right. They got into the organic business, which is you know kind of a scam. But it's they, but they're we're doing paying just them fine. more money. Exactly. <laughs> it works. Uh, our politics talks <laughs> very nuanced and informed informed opinions here. On ESPN 700. Anyway, let's talk about basketball because, like we said, we are in, in the midst of the NBA playoffs first round. Uh, eight playoff matchups happening, and we'll kind of just spend a couple of minutes of on each of them uh, as we move through this segment. First, Cavs-Pistons on right now. Uh, Cavaliers won game one, but in a game that I think was a lot closer than a lot of people expected, 106-101. This game, too, has been closer yeah, been um, back and forth. throughout. So... Uh, it's, it was interesting. At the end of the game, uh, Stan Van Gundy pulled Andre Drummond for a lot of the time. There's a real question, you know, can you play him at the end of games, or did Stan make a mistake in, in pulling out his best player? Well, I think that people make the, make the kind of confusion of like, oh, he's, he's Stan's Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. right? Which then makes it seem like he is 
a, some version of Dwight Howard, which he's really like he's not a good shot blocker. He's not a good rim protector. He's not all that good defensively. And granted, it's still young in his career, and he's only been working with Stan for you know so long, almost two seasons. Right. But so defensively, I'm not sure how much he's given you. Obviously, he's a phenomenal rebounder, so you know he can end possessions for you. But offensively, the Cavaliers were doing such a good job of taking away the middle on on pick and roll plays, which is where he feasts, and you can't post him up at all, right. like at all. I mean, it's it's horrendous how bad he is at at posting up. Then. Yeah, I would just I would put shooters out there and guys who can move their feet. So you're you're four more Aaron Baines minutes. You're four more Stanley Johnson, Reggie Bullock kind of minutes. Yeah, I mean I'm not I don't know that I'm four more Aaron Baines minutes, but, <laughs> but those uh, are your choices, right? Like I don't, who, why can't you just throw Anthony Tolliver out there? Okay, he's so, he's he's a little bit better of a rim protector, and he's he's a guy who can stretch the floor, who can move his feet, who can switch onto other guys. Like he's a pretty decent role player. He's the guy I would throw out there. Uh, I mean you're kind of you're kind of in trouble no matter who you put out there because yeah. LeBron's still quite good. You're still the eight seed against the one seed. Right. It's not like you're favored in this. Yeah, I uh, mean, I, I just think that for what for what they needed, I don't, and it's not even the free throw thing. I just don't know that Drummond was helping them at the end of that game. It's been pointed out to me, by the way, that I forgot to say our Twitter handles and how to call us. If you people do want to interact with us and give their opinions on any of these playoff series, at Andy B. Larson for me, at Talk Hoops, all one word for you. Um, and of course, you can call us eight seven seven three five five zero seven hundred. I was thinking about this on my. Is it three five three or three five five? I should know this. Ah, we'll find out. I was thinking about this on, <laughs> on my on my flight uh, the other day of how how uh, inconvenient it, there would be to have an underscore in my Twitter handle. Right. And so now, like, if you have one in your Twitter handle, how how inconvenient is that for you? Does that bother you to have to throw that in there all the time? I'm I'm sure it's the worst. Like it's got to be awful. Like I think of Angie almost more than her name. She's hosted the show in right. in your absence, but uh, as Snark Tank. But I don't think of her mentally as Snark underscore Tank. Right. That's, that's Angie. Hit us up. Let us know. What what's is that life difficult? Like? Yeah. Is that really hard? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, is it is it the worst thing you've ever gone through? <laughs> that's what I need to know. Anyone who has an underscore out yeah, there. Yeah, I need to know how know. difficult it makes your life. And and why did you come to that? You know, was there another way of doing it? Could you have been, you know, snark tank with right. a four instead of an A? But then, how that's annoying is that? Because then people are like, well, why the four in there? Well, there are three other people had snark tank before. Like, yeah. you know, that's that's also inconvenient. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you almost have to come up with a new joke, but it's hard. Right. I mean, I think the one thing you're supposed to do, like, if, if we get access to time travel, Everyone's just going to go back to 2007, get the Twitter handle they want. Like, that's how they're going to use it. We're not going to go save any era in, no. <laughs> in history. We're going to go get our Twitter Stop handles. Stop one is I'm going to go find at Andy Larson, not Andy B. Larson. Right, and, I probably would have. Up. I don't, I don't even, I used to think, like, I wanted at Zach Harper. Mm. But then I would have to explain, like, no, it's actually with an H, not a K. Mm, and yeah. then I would go through that. Yeah, Talk Hoops is good. Yeah, so, like, I used to want to get my name, but now I'm, just, I'm good with Talk Hoops. Yeah, and, and now, again, that's pe- how people know you a little bit, right? Right. Like, I've had people like, oh, you're Talk Hoops. So, well, yeah, Zach, also- but we could, we could go by my Twitter handle. That's why. <laughs> I'll call you my Twitter handle if you call me yours, and we'll, we'll do it that way. Anyway, so anyway that, playoffs. That was our Cavs-Pistons coverage. Uh, Raptors-Pacers, uh, Cavs currently lead the Pistons right now. Uh, no. No, sorry. Pistons, they just scored. It's not my fault. 51-50, the Pistons now lead the Cavs. Um <laughs> Second series, Raptors Pacers. This one again, it's 
very scary for Raptors fans because yeah. they have just struggled so much in the playoffs and then lost game one of this series. And uh, luckily, we're able to pull out game two. I think losing game two would have been a complete catastrophe and would have meant like serious, big, long-term picture changes in, in Raptors land. Right. Uh, but that being said, it's still not that pretty. They only won by eight on in game two. Do, do you see... Uh, can the can the Raptors work in the playoffs? It's tough because the the question so far has been like, all right, well, you know, can you get can you rely? They're such a they're they're so reliant on on free throw attempts and getting to the free throw line that it's that's those calls don't always happen in the playoffs for whatever reason, whether it's mm-hmm. different emphasis for officials or or they're not as aggressive or whatever, or maybe they just don't get respect. Whatever it is, um, if they don't get those, then how how do you remain effective in in that? That's embodied perfectly by like how Demar Derozan's playing. Like he's he's been terrible. He's shooting twenty seven percent in two games. Has been a non factor. Like he's distributed a little bit. He's playing good. You know, good enough defense. But um, but if he can't get to the free throw line, I don't know what he does for you because he can't hit threes. Right. And he's his game's a mid range game and right. getting to the line game. And yeah. he's what second in the league or third in the league in free throw attempts this Something year. Something like so, that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if he can't get to the line, then whatever. Now, luckily in game two, Lowry went to the line ten times, made all ten free throws, right. and you know, kind of saved them from that perspective. And and maybe that's what you have to do is isolate on a, on whoever the weaker defender is of who's guarding Lowry or yeah. or DeRozan. And maybe it's not a big deal if the. I mean, they had so many, they had like four or five role players step up and have really good games. Yeah. So as long as that happens, it's probably not a huge deal. A couple of years ago, when they when they played Brooklyn, he didn't shoot well, but he got to the free throw line a ton. Last year, he was awful. This year, he's actually even worse somehow through two games. So, it, DeRozan? DeRozan, yeah. So it's interesting to me to to see like at what point does it click for him? And yeah. I don't I don't think it's a choking thing. I just think it's a stylistic problem. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm trying to think if anybody else out there uh, has been successful in the playoff has has seen like a similar lack of success. Right. From usually going to the line and then runs into problems in the playoffs. Is there a, is there a model there that you can think no, of? No, the only thing I'm, I, I'm like, thinking of Dwayne Wade who goes to the free throw line more in the playoffs. Right, like, but so look how effective he is. Not to compare the no, two, but, but th- I think that that's reasonable. I mean, uh, Corey Maggette never got right. <laughs> to, to the playoffs. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think of guys who rely so much on that. Then and, and maybe Dwayne Wade is is the model, and I I don't know that Demar Derozan can all of a sudden become that. Yeah, and I think NBA playoff referees have actually kind of become almost a reaction to that Dwayne Wade 2006 series where they're afraid to determine the game too much. Right. Uh, we've talked way too much about these two series so far. <laughs> Let's go Heat Hornets. Uh, Hornets first of all were struggling on the boards all throughout Game One. Uh, that's unusual because I believe they were the third best uh, defensive rebounding team in the league uh, and then just did not do well in game one. Yeah. And then you asked about Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, I well, I wrote something for CBS Sports Today basically of um, here's how he dominated in game one, which he did, and here's the ways that Charlotte can fix it, which they've kind of done a little bit in game two, but I don't know. They were, I mean, they, they haven't been able to stop the heat, so it, it it's not really – working but really what you can do is you have to put him into the pick and roll because he's so bad at it. I mean we saw that here right. some people have said like yeah he's really improved the last couple of months like that's great but he I watched you know I went over the the video in in game one and even though they were blowing out the Hornets like anytime he got put in a pick and roll it was an open three they just they just missed and so I think that in Spolster is so paranoid about defense and so and emphasizes so much I think if you have a good quarter against Whiteside 
in the pick and roll, I think he'll I think he'll see fewer and fewer minutes, and then things kind of even up at least from a size standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, that's why Spolstra moved him to the bench in the first place, yeah. in, in uh, for a lot of reasons. Right. Because then those pick and roll weapons become a lot less dangerous in, against second units. Right. Exactly. Hawks Celtics. Ooh, I don't. My question through the first two games, and I know Avery Bradley missed the second game. Are we sure this this Celtics team's any good? I think so. Like I, I know based Avery, on what though. I, like, I, I, think I honestly think I think you're underrating the Hawks. No, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for. Them. I just I don't think I just don't think there's talent on the Celtics team. Like I know we're all in love with Isaiah Thomas because he's short and he was picked 60th. Mm-hmm. But like I just I don't see it. I just don't see the I don't see the allure in that roster. No, it's it's not a good roster. Yeah. And to be clear, they they've definitely overplayed their talent. Right. Uh, and you know there's a reason that the Hawks are favored in this series and right. so on. And no, but, no Olenek, no Bradley. Like I get it. That affects them big time because then you have you. Have, you know Terry Rozier and right. RJ Hunter and Jared Sullinger playing bigger roles, but uh, I don't know. I just I'm not impressed with what like if they don't force turnovers, they're not effective at all. See and and yeah, I I think you can count on better shooting than they got certainly in game two. I mean, obviously seven points in a quarter is bad news bears, right. but I mean, okay, Marcus Smart shot one for eleven, and I know Marcus Smart is a terrible shooter, but maybe he makes three of those usually. Sure, I mean uh, historically, Isaiah he, he Thomas the, only four of fifteen. Yeah, uh, I mean he's Jake Crowder was only one for nine in game two. I yeah. mean those are those are guys who should probably be a little bit better. And it's not like anyone outperformed them themselves uh, normally what what they would normally sure. do in game two. So. I mean, I, I can see that becoming a lot more even as the series goes to Boston. Yeah, I I still, like, what answer do they have for, for Millsap and, and Horford? And, and another they thing... They don't, but that's because the Hawks are good. I mean, right, I, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, they've got to play the Hawks right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think ultimately this is a, like, five-game series. Yeah, I've just, I haven't been impressed with this whole Danny Ainge rebuild of the Celtics, and all I yeah, hear is fair. how great it is, how many assets they have. And I just look at the roster, I think, aside from Avery Bradley... And maybe Kelly Olynyk, and of course Jay Crowder, who I think is great, and then Isaiah Thomas. Like I, I don't see an asset there that I would be like, yeah, I want my team to go get that guy. And and we're just banking on these Brooklyn picks to be great picks, right? And I don't, I don't think Danny Ainge's draft record's that good. No, that's that's true. I, I, mean, I mean, that's just. I, I I'm not I in love with this. Get, I'm not in love with this rebuild. If they I, get Kevin Durant this summer, then I'll I'll change my tune. Yeah, <laughs> then good work, Danny Ainge. Right. I think they get good players. They don't get stars in the draft, right? I mean, Mark right. Smart, I think, is a good player, uh, even though he can't shoot a lick. Like, yeah. but I think he's, the worst he's shooting a, season in history. He's he's like an NBA player. Oh, he's an amazing defender. <laughs> I mean, he right. had a couple of he had a couple of situations where he switched to Paul Millsap and held his own. Like a guard who can switch on Paul Millsap and do do okay. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, ditto with like Solinger, for example, getting a guy of his quality yeah, I don't think he's any. that late. You, I think he's like, an, again, an NBA player. Like, I, I don't know. Fine. Matt Bonner's <laughs> an NBA player. Shout out to Matt Bonner. <laughs> but I think Soli's better than Matt Bonner. I don't know. You don't think so? Matt Bonner has a skill. Solinger's got a skill, right? Shooting, kind of shooting, kind of rebounding. I don't know. Pass blocking? Pass blocking. <laughs> Uh, let's move Western Conference real quick. Warriors Rockets. Uh, I mean, this is obviously going to be a blowout. Is has been a blowout. Yeah. And now Steph Curry's not playing. The question is, should Steph play again this series? I mean, I don't see any reason to. Nope. And they'll still sweep him. Yeah. Because because uh, this Rockets team sucks. They're so bad. <laughs> they're so bad. I'm so mad that they're in the playoffs. By the way, I was so I was at Game One, and the the fun part of that, aside from Steph went on a show in just that building, was. At each timeout, you got to watch a different Rockets player yell at everybody. So it was like Josh <laughs> Smith, and there was Patrick Beverly, and there was Trevor Ariza. That's leadership. And there was Beverly again. It was never Harden and Howard, though. Oh. 
It was just though Jason Terry yelled at somebody at some point. At some point, we're going to talk about this, and I don't know if it'll happen on today's show, but where Dwight Howard ends up this summer is Fascinating. a really interesting question because there are not a lot of places for him to go. And yet, and yet there's he's, so much money there's, available. There's a billion dollars to pay him. Yeah. So how, what happens? It's, yeah, that's, that's a real interesting question. Spurs-Grizzlies, uh, a, a, another non-close one, although I guess props to the Grizzlies for trying. Sure. Um, more Boban? Can I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. There's a great vine of, of Matt Barnes trying to like get space to inbound the ball with Boban uh, defending him, and he's like laughing at the size yeah. disparity. It's great. And uh, I, I guess I wonder, the only competitive part of the series is, will the Spurs bench score more than the Spurs starters? I don't know what the numbers are. but Boban I, only got six minutes last game. It was a great six minutes. <laughs> I want. I just want more. Oh, I'd love for him to start next. I mean, game. maybe maybe they're hiding him because he is a free agent this summer, and we'll get right Dwight Howard money. <laughs> I'd give him. I'd give him a max. <laughs> give. I mean, just to save the city in case of alien attacks. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. That's great. Uh, you want him on your side in in whatever war that's coming up. Right. Uh, Thunder Mavericks. Mavericks are tied now one one with the Thunder going home. Uh, I, I mean. Kevin Durant, first of all, missed a lot of shots in game yeah. two. Did you uh, asking if he played a poor game two? Yeah, I don't think he did. I thought he, he played just well. Shots. I, the turnovers were bad. He had some pretty bad turnovers. But for the missed shots, like I'm going through them. I'll have something on it tomorrow for CBS Sports. But like I, I'm watching all these shots. I'm like, that's a good shot. That's a good shot. Like he just missed. Hmm. I, I and I think the bigger concern is that they don't get into their stuff quick enough against this Mavericks team. Like, you really got to push the tempo against Dallas. Yeah, I think that's that's one very clear way to beat yeah, them. Yeah, and they're, and they're just not doing it. Uh, 7 for 33, Kevin Durant was in game two. Westbrook was still 8 for 22, only yeah. 19 points. I mean, I, I want to see more from that supporting cast, quite frankly. If you haven't watched the game and you hear, like, just right away, like, hey, Kevin Durant tied a Michael Jordan playoff record. You're probably crazy excited to go yeah. watch this game, right? <laughs> Not so much. It was just for missed shots. Right. I mean, the last 30 seconds, it was exciting. It was very exciting. There were just not a lot of points. Right. 85-84 that the Dallas Mavericks won that game. Uh, they now play next today. Is it tonight? Yeah, it's tonight. No, tomorrow, no, tomorrow night. Sorry. Tomorrow night. I keep thinking today is Thursday because you know right. we're doing a radio show right, right now. Right, exactly. Uh, and then Clippers Blazers. Uh, I mean, what do you make of this series? Clippers lead one one to zero, but then they play tonight eight thirty on TNT. Uh, I I mean, the two questions I had going into the series were: um, Can the Clippers, who are a bad defensive rebounding team, keep the Blazers, who are a great offensive rebounding team, off the offensive boards? Mm. And they do that. And two, like the Clippers are very good at defending the three. The Blazers rely heavily on the three. Can they defend that? Are they going to you know remain a good defensive? three-point team and both of those questions were resounding yeses for the Clippers like right. they, they were able to handle that and Blake Griffin like if he plays like this like he did in game one it might be a sweep I don't think I don't think Portland can hang with him if Blake Griffin's that good yeah and I, I think that's fair I mean I I thought it was really interesting how they defended how the Clippers defended the Blazers coming off of pick and rolls just trapped yeah uh, on hard on uh Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum yeah and then Force Alfred Camino, Mo Harkless, and Mason Plumley to beat you. Kevin Har- Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN.com has a great article on the whole like trap thing from the from the Clippers Portland. Cool. Game. Yeah, it's good. Check it out, everyone. All right, we're gonna take a break. On the other side, we've got Laura Thompson joining us. Uh, she wrote an article for Salt City Hoops this week about the the five stages of Jazz of grief. Uh, if you're still feeling sad about the Jazz not making the playoffs, especially looking jealously at the Rockets and thinking, what is this team doing there? 
Uh, we'll talk to Laura about that. She actually wrote two great psychological articles on how uh, fandom works, as a, especially that you may need right now as a jazz fan. I mean, especially watching the Rockets team. Just if you, switch, you have to shake your head. If you switch the Rockets with the Kings right now, would there be any difference in how the series is going? No. That's amazing. No, and the Kings are so the bad. The Kings are so bad. Ah. Uh, what could have been? All right, we got to talk to Laura next. I need to talk to Laura <laughs> <You> next <do. laughs> on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I kind of want to sing the intro to this, but I don't think I'm going to. Just, you know, it's radio. And I don't have MJ's voice. Well, there's only a way to find out. <laughs> Just comparison. My falsetto is lovely, but perhaps another time. I like that. That's pretty good. I got a good falsetto when I need to. <laughs> Always need it. Always need it. Always a karaoke. <laughs> yeah. What's your go-to karaoke song? Alone by heart. Okay. <laughs> it's, the, it's the entire range for me. I like it. Uh, let, let's bring in Laura Thompson, Salt City Hoops writer. She wrote two great articles on, on the psychology of jazz fans, one before the season ended and one after. Laura, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, do you have a go-to karaoke song? Gosh, I would have said Alone by Heart, but you guys beat me to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Something by Journey would be good, although my favorite is Sarah McLaughlin and probably Possession. Ooh, okay. That's a that's a list. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good that's a good list. Can, we're we're coming in next segment with that song. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, you wrote these two articles. One called "The Psychology of a Jazz Fan." One co- now uh, published after the playoffs just yesterday called "The Five Stages of Jazz Grief." I want to ask you about the first one first, and, and there's this finding that you, from the Wall Street Journal that you wrote about in the article that fans apparently derive more pleasure from a close loss than a blowout win. And I can tell you that that's categorically false. I no, I agree. With, I <laughs> really? agree with that. You agree? Absolutely. Okay, Laura, what? Tell me more. So I, I kind of go on. This is a cop out, but on both sides. For me, it depends on how invested I am as a fan, right? So if I'm a huge jazz fan as I am, and I go into a game and they lose a close game, I'm usually pretty devastated. But when I, for example, go to a Clippers game because I live near LA, and if there is a close game, I don't care who wins. I get so much satisfaction out of that. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it depends on how emotionally invested you are. I am far too emotionally invested in the Jazz. And so even if there is that small, small loss, I take it pretty hard. And there were a lot of them for the Jazz. There were many. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of hard what, feelings right there. What was the stat? 14 and 28 in games decided by five points or fewer or something like that? That's correct. Yeah, in, in the last five minutes. That's actually the third worst record in the league. You know, like Philadelphia and the Lakers are also down there <laughs> right. along with the Jazz. It's, it's not pretty. That's a good company. Um, anyway, Zach, you, you agree with this though. I do. Well, I kind of have this theory that like people would rather be upset about things than enjoy things. Mm. Um, you're on Twitter a lot, right? I, well, yeah, I am on Twitter a lot, <laughs> but I, I wonder, I wonder if Laura agrees with this. Cause I do think like there's something to, there's something to the idea of one, like, Oh man, look what we're, look what we're trying to overcome. Like that, that mm. sucked. We, we can, we can overcome that next time. And just hoping that people like, aren't on board with your line of thinking, that way you can give a, and I told you so type of attitude. I think they go hand in so hand. So people like being aggrieved. Yes. Okay. You know what's interesting about that too is, 
I don't know. For me, I find if there is a close loss, but I feel like, you know what, they put everything into it. They just didn't have the talent level, but they're, they're growing as a team. Their defense is coming along. For some reason, there's some, some value and some satisfaction in that, but it felt like this year there were just little tiny mistakes here or there or a call that was blown or the ball just barely bounced off the rim. It felt like there were things that, in, at least in my mind, which clearly this is false, but in my mind, they should have not happened that way. Whereas, you know, if it's just the talent level isn't there, you can kind of understand that a little bit better. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Also, you wrote about the community of, of being a fan and, and kind of getting something out of that, getting friends and relationships and obviously jobs in our right. case. Yeah, very uh, much so. <laughs> but, I mean, do you, I wanted to ask you, Laura, do you still feel that living in, in Los Angeles and uh, being a jazz fan from, from afar? Uh, one clarification, I don't live in L.A. I'm not a fan of L.A. I actually live in Orange County. But okay, yes, sorry. Um, I, I find for me, especially on Twitter, some of the negativity aside, it can be really fun and a, a really nice bonding experience to be able to have these um, insightful conversations with jazz fans that are in Salt Lake or in other places. I don't know. It's kind of bonding realizing that, okay, just because I'm here 600 miles away doesn't mean that I'm not connected with people that have the same feelings and emotions tied up into the same team that I do and for some of the same reasons. And there's something really, I don't know, very satisfying about that, very gratifying. I almost wonder, because I, I grew up in Sacramento as a Timberwolves fan because I'm a stupid kid, but I guess it's good that I, <laughs> that I that I didn't pick the Kings either. But I grew up as a Timberwolves <laughs> fan, and so like this was you know before I could just get on the internet and tweet at other Timberwolves fans. And so I kind of I kind of almost liked it better than being within like the the group of that like the center of that fan base because you it felt like it was it was mine. And I feel like fandom is a very possessive thing of like oh yeah. you're not a big enough fan like I am that kind of stuff. And I wonder I wonder if you if you think that you know is more is more. I don't know, enticing to fans than, than maybe say being in that, in that large community. It certainly feels for me very real because I mean, yeah. we've, we've been around enough Lakers fans to know it, it can feel like a bandwagon experience at times. Right. And right. I feel like it's very earned if you're a jazz fan living in kind of Laker territory. Um, and I mentioned this just as a kind of an aside in that article, but I ran into someone at the beach a few weeks ago who was wearing a jazz hat. And so I had to go up to him and talk to him. I couldn't not. I mean, it's not very often that I'm going to see somebody around this area wearing a jazz hat at the beach. So it was just really fun having a five-minute conversation, talking about the direction of the team. And that's not an experience many people get to have, but it was, it was kind of fun. Have you found, is there a hub there or like a, like a center, like a, a command center where you can turn in your Lakers jersey and get a Warriors jersey? Is that like a real <laughs> thing or is that just something we've made up? There's got to be some place between LA and San Francisco or the Bay Area that, that does that, right? Yeah, I guess it's like, hey, I went to Bakersfield. I should get something out of this. And, <laughs> and that's like the middle ground. You've got to get something out of it when you go to Bakersfield. Right. <laughs> so you wrote in this, in this latest article published yesterday uh, on SaltCityHoops.com about the five stages of grief, right? And so there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance where are where yeah. are you in this stage? I mean, we're we're now a week after the the Kobe sixty points game and and the uh, not as exactly sudden elimination of the Jazz from the playoffs, but still it, it happened. It felt like it happened pretty quickly because uh, you know two weeks ago the Jazz had a great chance of making the playoffs. Ninety five percent, ninety five percent, right? When I know. we talked, I know. And then so you know finished by losing four out of five, and and in that fashion too was was rough. Where are you in, in the five stages of, of grief? I'm currently vacillating between bargaining and depression. So the bargaining is kind of an entertaining thing because you know it's not one bit rational and not one bit logical, but it's kind of fun. It's like, okay, since we 
just barely miss the playoffs, that means we're going to get a good draft pick, right? So that's been kind of a fun game. We're playing like the free agency game or the trade game or thing like things like that. But then it's also the depression of, oh, my gosh, Houston looks horrible, and they're in the playoffs, and how are we not in the playoffs? It's just kind of this, this worry that there might be a road of mediocrity ahead. You hope that that's not the case. You hope that there's enough internal development or uh, a trade or a free agent center or something that's going to get us over the hump. But there is kind of that reality thinking in of like, oh, man, what if mediocrity is it for a little bit? What if we don't make that next step? I think so I'm, you... I'm vacillating between those two. I had about five minutes of acceptance, and then it went right back to uh, to bargaining. What about you guys? <laughs> I think the Houston thing makes watching the Houston Rockets just makes people depressed. Yeah. Yes. Oh my. Oh yeah. I I watched two and a half hours of just them playing transition defense in December, and and like wanted to hug my parents. Like I was so <laughs> it was so awful. <laughs> and like at least when Shaq used to shoot free throws, I was entertained. But for some reason, when Dwight shoots free throws and not entertains. I don't know. There's some lacking entertainment value there for me. Yeah, because at least when Shaq shot free throws, you're like, wow, how does this cross-eyed guy actually pull this off? Like, there was a, <laughs> there was a real entertainment value there. <laughs> there really was. And Clearly I kind of missed that. Wrong. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, okay, but I, I like your bargaining stage because uh, you, you pointed out some, you know, some hypotheticals. Like, okay, since we didn't make the playoffs, how about we get a top three pick out of this lottery? You know, that, that would be a fair bargain. Or what if instead of these trades that Dennis Lindsay mentioning uh, last week in the end of season media availability, these these two trades that could have happened but didn't, what if they would have happened and they would have given us everything? You know what? what <laughs> I like these bargaining hypotheticals that you're, you're coming up with. Yeah, and that was one I was definitely thinking of. It was, okay, we've heard about these trades. Sometimes we know trades first start being discussed a year, maybe two years before. So what if those could theoretically happen again? You know? So it, it just becomes that thing where you're thinking, okay, we we know it's going to take something more to take the next step. What's going to happen there that's going to do it? And, hey, what about this trade that was kind of mentioned in passing, and what if, or trades, plural, um, what if those were to be resurrected, or what if something were to happen along those lines? Um, it could make it certainly very interesting, and what if it were to be that thing that made us go to the next level? So, oh, man, bargaining has been a lot of fun. I'd be very <laughs> curious as to what other bargains people have come up with. What do you think? What stage do you think Andy's in right now? Um, I would guess somewhere between denial and anger, maybe a bit back and forth between those, with a little bit of bargaining thrown in just because of the hypotheticals. Yeah, I would say I'm in denial. Okay, like, you, I, you I, still think they've got a chance? <laughs> That's amazing. It's not even that they have a chance. It's just like I have turned off my robot brain, and it's just like emotions <laughs> off, and I'm not going to care about this anymore. And it's nice outside. I'm going to go right. run. I don't know, like. I, it's just I don't I don't want to write about the jazz right now. I just don't I don't want to do this radio show. I want to be out. <laughs> well, what was cathartic <laughs> for gonna... me is that is that I got to like remove myself. Like I'm not a jazz fan, but I was invested in this jazz yeah. season being up close. But that last night I got to go to Oakland and, mm. and enjoy the 73rd oh, wow. win. And so like I, as all this stuff was happening to Utah, I see all this stuff on my timeline. I just thought, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I'm gonna go enjoy this night. <laughs> yeah, you could you you had other stuff to do, and and uh, you know I think like. For example, Monday trivia was great. Was right. Great. <laughs> it was nice. If, if we could only win, that would be great. But, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily always happen. All right, Laura, um, we're running out of time here. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell us where we can follow you on Twitter and, of course, read your work. Hoops Laureate is my Twitter handle and then Salt City Hoops.
Perfect. All right. Thank you again, Laura, for joining us. Like I said, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to do a the shorter segment of our two award segments today, this time on the actual good ideas on awards. <laughs> the Our best guesses talk about Kawhi winning Defensive Player of the uh, of the Year, Jamal Crawford, Sixth Man, et cetera. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You came here to see if you were afraid, then you come out with me. And I know what you came here to do. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. This is my karaoke song. Is this? <laughs> I wish I were. This I is, wish I was this cool. This is Flow Rider, right? Uh, is this Flow Rider? Yeah. I'm getting a thumbs up. This is Flow yeah, Rider. Cool. Doesn't he have that song, My House? This yeah. Welcome to My House? Uh huh. That song makes zero sense. No, I, have, you, have you seen the music video? No, I haven't. It's all. It, it sounds it does like not make sense. It sounds <laughs> like he's saying, "Look, you're now trapped here. We don't have to go out because you can't go out. You don't have the combination to the locks." That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a. I've lured you into my lair. <laughs> now it's time to suffer. <laughs> but a party song, also. But yes, in a very fun way. I mean, maybe Flo Rida knows his own reputation. It's just like, ah, I, maybe you don't want to listen to a lot of Flo Rida songs, but you have to because right. you're at my house. I wonder. Yeah, that's got to be it. Maybe it's a maybe it's a DeAndre Jordan situation. Mm, maybe that was the. It's a contractual <laughs> that negotiation. <was> the inspiration. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, these. It's it's award season in the NBA. We've already heard who the defensive player and sixth man of the year are. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Crawford winning those respectively. Let's talk about those a little bit before we get into the best guesses for the other awards. Um, was Kawhi Leonard the right defensive player of the year? I I think so. I don't have a problem with. It. I I would have voted for Draymond. Yeah, I, I saw that in your uh, CBS Sports yeah um, award list. Mostly because you were alone in that. By the way, right? I was CBS I was, Sports colleagues, and, and I'm a huge Kawhi guy. Like Kawhi's yeah, Kawhi's my guy. We went to the same school, not at the same time, so I latch <laughs> on to him. Like yeah, that's. No, uh, like I've loved Kawhi, you know, for a long time, but he, to me, it wasn't that he wasn't good enough to be defensive player of the year. It was that Draymond's team, you know, suffered so much defensively when he wasn't on the floor, and so to me, like they're basically even, and that that value, w- just was the tipping point for me. But if you say oh, I disagree, Kawhi's the defensive player of the year, I have no problem. You're not gonna fight anybody yeah. over it. Uh, yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you, and I see that. I mean, Draymond's defensive. Uh, real plus minus, for example, was the yeah. best in the league, and, right. and uh, rightfully so because you know of of what he does when when he's on the floor. And you're right that the Spurs don't really they don't fall as much off when Kawhi is not on the right. floor. And I think that kind of makes sense given kind of the individual roles that they're asked to play, right? Yeah, uh, no, it totally makes sense. Leonard's kind of a more individual uh, defender, I think, than, right. than Draymond, who's blowing things up all over the floor. Right. Which I don't know. I don't know which one is is actually harder or more valuable in the sense of, like, it's great that Draymond can do all these things, right? Yeah. But if you're going against LeBron James in a series, do you want Kawhi, who can just lock him down and you can con- everyone else can concentrate on another player? Like, that's... Probably, but, you know, if it's a regular season award, too, so... Right, but, it, yeah, I mean, I'm just talking, trying to, like, figure out the value of it. And maybe that's... Maybe we need Defensive Player of the Year and Most Valuable Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe we need two hmm. awards. That I mean, that would be so confusing for everybody involved, <laughs> and I don't think we would get a very good. It would result give us more things to complain about. But I, I like I see where you're coming from. I think when you have a team that was as historically elite as the Spurs were defensively, yeah, and you have a leader of that defense, uh, I, I think Kawhi is a really good choice. 
especially yeah. given that you know he won the award last year. And I don't think you're disagreeing. Right. Hassan Whiteside was third. Uh, That's insane to me. And pretty clearly, I yeah, I agree. I don't think he deserved it. Um, apparently, saying that means that you'll get a lot of hate from Heat fans on Twitter. But I've been getting hate from Heat fans for years on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used doesn't, to it. Doesn't phase you? No. Uh, like it's cool that he blocks shots. I love block shots. He They're, blocks a lot of them. They, he does. Some would say the most. Yes. <laughs> Some would say these blocks. The, he blocks the most shots, and it's good. Like that's an intimidating factor. Even even blocking shots out of bounds. I think there is an intimidation thing. That that can kind of get in the other team's head, mm-hmm. but you put him in a prick and roll, you can dissect him so easily, and you can't be defensive player. Of the, like this is like when Marcus Camby got defensive player of the year, right? Yeah, I think that that's a good comparison, and I think that's why ultimately, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been third. Uh, DeAndre Jordan fourth, Paul Millsap fifth, Avery Bradley sixth, Rudy Gobert seventh, uh, Tony Allen eighth, Andre, Anthony Davis. Ninth and Andre Drummond tenth. I mean, Andre Drummond should not have received a, a, a vote at all. He got one. So uh, even still, <laughs> we can find out who that is and and shame them through our our uh, voice. Let me ask you this: <laughs> shame them through our voice. If uh, if Rudy Gobert only misses, let's say six games this year, uh-huh. where does he finish in this voting? Do you think? Uh, I would say. Hopefully third. Yeah, that's what that's kind of where I was thinking. I think based on merits, I think you could make a real case that he's third. He should have been third anyway. Anyway, right. yeah. I mean, it's 61 games. Yeah, it's not 82, but Hassan Whiteside, I think, played 65. Something like that, yeah. So it's it's not a lot. Right. And you gave that guy a third. I mean, I, I get why he does have very nice numbers, but if you kind of look into it a little bit more and say, look, how are guys shooting at the rim when right. Rudy Gobert is on the floor? It, it, it's a lot better than Hassan Whiteside. Uh you look at just the percentages of the number of shots he takes, and I think Gobert is a bigger deterrent in terms of that. I think you can make a real case. He's definitely much better on the perimeter, I think, than, than Hassan Whiteside yeah. is. You can make a real case. I'm fine with the Paul Millsap case that Zach Lowe made. Yeah, I think absolutely. He's a, I thought he was great. Oh, over a block and a half of, uh, and a block and, uh, sorry, and a steal and a half per game. Right. That's a pretty unusual combination. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. DeAndre Jordan, I, I'm. How do you feel about his defense? I thought it was t- I thought it was bad last year. Uh, I thought this year it's actually been pretty good. I I've just heard Quinn Snyder gush so much about him that like yeah. I'm starting to believe they, in him a lot more. They switched up their pick and roll coverage with him this year, and it made a huge impact on how they defend. And they were they were a very good defensive team speaking, this year. Speaking of Clippers, uh, Jamal Crawford won Six Man of the Year award uh, over Andre Iguodala, second place, Enes Kanter, third, Will Barton, fourth, Evan Turner, fifth. This is a weird one to me because I love me some Jamal Crawford. Yeah, he's um, fun. He's very fun. He he shot 40% from the field, which, all right, whatever. Like, they, we've had six men of the year shoot 40% from the field. And he he, like, he was, like, fifth in, in points per game off the bench. So, like, he wasn't elite in anything. It was just – I just felt like yeah. it was kind of like a, eh, we've given him to Jamal before. He can have it again. Yeah, I th- exactly. He's he's just he's who you think of when you think six man, and so I think right. he gets like some awards based on that. Here's my question to Hassan Whiteside voters, just to go back there. Real, real yeah, quick. please. How can you be def- defensive player of the year if your team is better defensively when you're not on the floor? Yeah, that's still weird. That's weird, right? <laughs> like that's a that's a weird thing. They. <laughs> Is that still true? Because I remember that it was a lot still true at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, it's like it's it like, improved at the end. It's like three tenths of a point or something. Okay, like that. but you know, still is not being better. Right, exactly. And that's bad, especially now that he's playing against second units. Yes, where, which are going to be worse offensively. Right. Yikes. Yikes. 
But uh, I'm happy for Jamal. He wanted the award. Andre Iguodala didn't. Yeah, I think that's that's nice. Yeah. Um, and his canter, I, I don't think deserves it. He still can't yeah. play defense. He got he has cool numbers. He gets double doubles. He does. People like double doubles. Royce Young loves double doubles. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, you know, he doesn't make them better offensively. They're actually much worse offensively with him on the floor. But it, that's hey. a problem, I guess. Yeah. If you, it's the same problem with Hassan Whiteside, right, but exactly. on both ends of the floor. Yikes! All right, well. That's enough of that talk. We'll t- do more of the worst awards next segment on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Ah, yes, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show where we have the lovely award ceremony of the opposite awards. I don't know. We'll come up with a better name than that for this, but the, the, the least of everything. The Salties? The Salties. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, that could work. All right. it's These are the Salties. And you thought I was crazy for wearing my tux tonight. I, <laughs> I was wondering what, what job you were applying for <laughs> going to the steakhouse downstairs and really impressing a lady. Uh, I don't know. Regardless. Welcome to the first well, annual Salties. Yes. Or or a better name that we'll determine later. <laughs> I mean, we did pretty good for yeah the last 10 seconds of thinking of these awards. <laughs> uh, so we're doing the least valuable player, worst defensive player of the year, worst coach of the year, worst starter of the year. So not the worst sixth man of the year because right. that's probably a seventh man gotta go somewhere. Oppo. We got to go. Exactly. The complete opposite. Worst rookie of the year, and then the most declined player. Uh, we'll read off nominees in each category, and then drumroll select a winner slash loser of the the salty of this year. We can't start with least valuable player, right? No, we should go reverse order. Let's start. Let's start it with most declined player. Some decent candidates in this year's draft yep. in this year's slate, and then one. Clear standout. Yeah, one clear standout. I mean, you have, uh, you know, you have guys who had expectations going into this year. Mm-hmm. Terrence Jones of the Houston Rockets had pretty high expectations for being their power forward, right? right. And instead, had the third worst RPM in the league, and <laughs> that's for not a great. Five hundred team, <laughs> right? And couldn't shoot the ball at all. Marco Bellinelli signed with the Kings after they screwed up and thought they were getting Monte Ellis or Wes Matthews, and ended up with Marco Bellinelli, right? but signed with them to be like a guy who was a, a threat for them offensively. And instead was not. And At all. And still did uh, its usual Marco Bellinelli defense kind of stuff. Right. Which it, is, Even more so, which is even more painful on the Kings. <laughs> right. Because they don't have anybody to back you up. And then we have Ty Lawson, who... Was, uh, was so bad that a team who needed a point guard wouldn't trade for him. <laughs> correct. <laughs> and, and a team that needed a point guard traded him, right? Like, I right. Mean, the, the Rockets are, are still there and, and did not exactly improve in an Indiana uniform. He somehow, like he Bynum then. Yes. He Andrew Bynum then. Absolutely. Yeah, in a way. And so I think the I think the winner is pretty clear cut. Yes, our winner. Do we have a drum roll sound? It's, it's Ty Lawson. It's Ty Lawson. Congratulations. Ty Lawson was a good NBA player last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, was I think he was third in the league in assists or something like that? Something like that. And uh, sure, the Nuggets fell apart at his feet, and that no, uh, definitely was part of his problem. Yeah. But 
the the dude he put up a nine per last year after an eighteen last year or yeah the two previous seasons year. ago right that's um I mean he was like my favorite analogy for him, like uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss who covers the Warriors mm-hmm. uh, referred to him as Steph Curry's personal ball rack in the 2013 <laughs> NBA playoffs and that's when he was good that's when he was at the height of his game that's- and now he's just a short guy. Who can't really shoot? Why? Can't defend. Nine point six assists per game in twenty fourteen fifteen. Three point yeah. six per game this season. How? The minutes didn't drop off that much. No, I mean, they did I mean, he, a little bit. His usage though. The usage dropped out. Like, uh, I don't. It's it's incredible because it's not even just a usage thing. Like everywhere, you know, it's a it's an across the board scoring, assists, rebounds, steals, everything. Like, I think he led the league in probation though because I think he got that from one of his recent DUIs. Well, congratulations. <laughs> so that's something. Ty Lawson, you've won two awards tonight. <laughs> Let's move on. Worst rookie of the year. We've got a, a number of compelling candidates, I feel. Now, I don't know that it's, I I don't know that I agree with you throwing Emmanuel Moutier in here. I do because he had so many turnovers. Yeah, but so did Russell Westbrook. Look at him. Yeah, but he did He's other great. things. That's Meanwhile, true. Moutier couldn't shoot from outside. Yeah. Uh, I don't know for a a rookie point guard thrown into a bad Look, team. I thought he was pretty pretty good. He's uh, he's fine, and I think the Nuggets were doing the right thing by playing him. Right. But he shot 36% from the field. That's not ideal. 31% from three. That's better than I expected. Yeah, <laughs> me too. 67% from the free throw line. Yikes. Uh, and then 5.3 turnovers per 100 possessions. That's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, 47% shooting from within the restricted area. Not great. And, it, and that doesn't All get right. better from there. All right, I'm fine with him uh, being in. It, it, he's a nominee. Right. Uh, I I also don't know that the guy I threw in there should technically count. Marcelo Huertas. I, uh, why not? Because he's, he's like 45 years old. <laughs> he's 35, right? Is I mean, yes, I understand that you were exaggerating for the, the sake of... No, I, re- I legitimately think he's 45 years old. <laughs> 32, uh, to be exact. There's a fun moment at the last Lakers game here where... Uh, he was talking to somebody on the court, and someone I was sitting near um, realized that he was a player about 20 minutes later, and <laughs> thought, "Oh, I just thought he was a trainer." And he also had <laughs> he also had the worst shot I've ever seen in person uh, in Miami early this season before I got here, where he tried to cross over he tried to cross over Tyler Johnson. He got blocked. Okay. And then to beat the shot clock, he threw he threw the ball over his head that. with his back to the basket, and it was it was the legitimately the worst shot I've ever seen. <laughs> but he tried. But he tried. That's that veteran presence. Like on a Lakers team that was not good. No, he looked especially bad. So we've got Marcelo Huertas. Yes. Uh, we've got Rashad Vaughn, mm-hmm. who let me just read you some of these shooting stats. He played over a thousand minutes this season, by the way, for the Bucks. Really? Yeah. Over a thousand minutes. I don't shot believe that. Thirty point five percent. Wow, and he's he's supposed to be a shooter. <laughs> yeah, twenty nine percent from three. Okay. Uh, the the problem was also inside the arc where he shot thirty four percent from the restricted area. Ooh. That's not great on layups, making one out of three. Twenty four percent from three to ten feet. Twenty two percent from ten to sixteen feet. Just mid range shots, not his thing. Uh, also, it's not like he was rebounding or passing or doing any right. of the other things. Only used 13% of possessions and still shot 30%. Wow. That's bad. I, I also, mean, his defense is atrocious. He did have. I did introduce him to IMDB 
during the season. You did. I did. He did not know about IMDb. He apparently that's that was my impression is that we were I was sitting behind the Bucks bench during warmups. Okay. And he was making fun of Greg Foster, who's a Bucks development guy, yeah. former Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. And at one point he said that Greg Foster looked like a character from Men in Black. And so they were trying to figure out who, and so I so I handed him the app as IMDb or at my phone as the IMDb app was loading. Like most and people. he was like, what is this? <laughs> I said, it's IMDb. It's a movie database online. He's like, they have every movie? I said, yes, they have every movie. He was blown away. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's like teaching Tony Jones Siri <laughs> last week. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's a separate story. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, did not know what IMDb was. Which right. I think should be included in his that's resume probably for the, worst yeah. rookie of the year. Then we've also got Kelly Oubre. He especially sucked. He did not play that many minutes. No. He only played 671 minutes. But he was really bad. And at least shot 42% from the field. Was pretty bad, though. Yeah, he was really bad. Uh, I do see this post from Wiz of Oz, though, on his basketball reference page asking, is Kelly Oubre the next Paul George? I think we can safely say no so far. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can say no, period. Right. Anyway, those are our four candidates for worst rookie of the year. And the winner is... It's got to be Rashad Vaughn. Mr. IMDb. Mr. IMDb himself. I mean, you shoot 30% from the field in over 1,000 minutes. As a shooter. As a shooter. it's That's a little bit bad. That's not ideal. He also started six games for them, by the way. Surprise, the Bucks weren't good. <laughs> the Bucks weren't. That's a lot of minutes for Jason Kidd to play him. I mean, I get yeah. he's your 17th pick in the draft. I get it. To be fair, Jason Kidd was pretty checked out by the end of the season. He was. It will be interesting. You think they'll they'll keep him as a coach? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because I think he's also technically the GM. <laughs> you think they'll keep him right. as Paul? Uh, let's move to our starter of the year. There are a number of great examples here. Uh, Dante Cunningham of the New Orleans Pelicans started a majority of games. And a lot of games at small forward. Yeah. He's not a small he's not forward. not a small forward at all. But uh, nevertheless played those minutes and so is in this in this list. Tayshawn Prince for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's weird because the lineups are actually pretty decent with him in. Yeah. Uh, but he actually played pretty solid team defense at times, okay. I guess. Uh, he did great at spotting up from the high school three-point line. <laughs> that's not... That's, <laughs> which, not so much a thing in the NBA, no. but that's where he spots up. <laughs> that alone should probably give him the award, but we do have other candidates. Uh, we've got Wayne Ellington of the Brooklyn Nets. Wayne's too nice of a guy. We can't give it to We him. can't give I mean, I don't know why that would keep someone from being a bad player. Well, that probably makes them a worse player. I mean, that's how Jaron Collins had a 10-year NBA career. Right, exactly. But he's about to get a, a coaching job as well. Wayne was thrown into a tough situation in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I agreed. Wait, I think, but I think, didn't he sign there? I think so. so. he brought this yeah, on himself. So he, he, he didn't know it would be this bad. Though. Right. Uh, and then we've got PJ Hairston. He is exceptionally terrible. How so? He's a shooter. Give me his resume. Who shot like twenty-seven percent from from three? Okay. He was, uh, he was supposed to, he was a starter for quite a while on Charlotte, mm-hmm. and they would quickly move him out of the game for Jeremy Lamb, who wasn't any good. Right. And then was traded to a Memphis Grizzlies team around the deadline, I believe, and was so bad that they stopped giving him minutes for whoever they could sign off a ten on a ten-day contract. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, like they were looking for anyone. 
who had an interesting name or who had played college basketball to replace him. And they went with the guy who they went away from the guy who was a second year player and drafted in the first round right. last season. That's because PJ Hairston is bad. But his full name, by the way, is Samuel Peterson Hairston. So Okay, well that's gotta count for something. That's, that's good. <laughs> just fun fact about PJ Hairston. Alright, drum roll please. The winner is it's PJ Harrison. It's PJ Harrison. Yes, yes. Did yeah. this did this background music turn into Indiana Jones? By the way, <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of soundtracks for different movies. Okay, here. this okay. is the Oscars ending credits music. Okay, just wanted to I make mean, sure. It's the Salties. I wasn't. Music. I wasn't sure if I was. Oh, now we've got yeah. Star Wars. That's great. <laughs> these, these movies and songs are too good for the for the players we are naming. Well, here. maybe in a faraway land many galaxies ago, this coach could have been good. But Ooh. our worst coach of the year nominees. All right. We are uh, leading off with Byron Scott. Yes. Coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Who uh, multiple, multiple times this year, his prized rookie, D'Angelo Russell, said that he wasn't being told what he was doing wrong. He hadn't talked to Byron Scott. I feel like communication is a big part of coaching. Yeah, I, at least any communication would right. have been stellar in this situation. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Kobe show is part of it. I mean, right. we have a segment on our show called LOL Lakers, and at least half the time we're laughing at something bad that Byron Scott did. Right. He's been, he was so bad that on my podcast, I, we, had to, we had to put a month-long ban on ourselves from talking <laughs> about him because it was becoming too much. I, I don't get he's, – he's unique in that he's bad uh, not only X's and O's wise, but also from a long-term point of view, right? right. Like, he gets none of the picture. None of it. Which, is unfortunate. Yeah, which you kind of you kind of need some kind of long term vision as a coach. Alvin Gentry, our second nominee. Uh, oh, I feel bad for Alvin Gentry. Yeah, but also but just also deserved. <laughs> did not do anything with this New Orleans Pelicans team. A lot of bad injuries though. Sure, they had like seven to ten rotation guys injured or on minutes restrictions to start the year. I at no point did I feel like that they were playing well though. That's Did true. They as they a, got a as they got healthy, it never even it never felt like uh oh, here come the Pelicans. Right. Uh, so I, I, that's disappointing. Like he won't be fired. Right. Was their offense worse than under Monty Williams? Because, I believe so. Yeah, that's not great. No. Um, and that's why you hire Alvin Gentry. In, right. In the abstract. for the offense. And then Kurt Rambis uh, only coached half a season in New York and still managed to get nominated, but still was nominated on this list. Uh, Part of it was his misallocation of minutes towards Kristaps Porzingis uh, in the wrong lineups. I'm shocked. In the as, wrong position. As someone who watched him play Ryan Hollins over Kevin Love, I'm shocked that he couldn't figure out the minutes rotations for Kristaps <laughs> Porzingis. He also started Sasha Vujicic for really no reason. Right. <laughs> there's not. There's not a single reason you can come up with for why that should happen. No, there's not. Um, and yet, Kurt Rambis did it because he is a, a coach in the NBA. Thank you, Phil Jackson, for that. All right, our, those are our three nominees. Brian, Byron Scott, Alvin Gentry, Kurt Rambis. Drum roll, please. The winner is Byron Scott. It has, it has to be. be. Byron, has to be. I mean, to be fair, probably the two worst coaches of the decade are on this list, Byron Scott and Kurt Rambis. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but only one of those coaches coached a full season. What's amazing is last year was the worst season in Los Angeles Lakers history. And yet... They managed to beat that, and then some this year. I will say, though, while he is our worst coach, he's the best Kobe personal assistant of the season. <laughs> he exceeded in that. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what he does next season. You could argue that this is a bad award, that we shouldn't have given it to him because 
he did what Genie Bus secretly wants, which is take protect the top three pick. Yeah, and and find a way to 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 keep coaching this team. You celebrate Kobe, and then he gets to coach again next year to make sure that the team is bad enough that then she can fire Jim Bus, her brother. Ooh. That's my. That's theory. why. That's why Byron's staying. That's around. why I still. That's why I still around. I mean, we, there was the article that said she's been involved in this coaching decision, uh, which is unusual for her because she likes to stay on the business side. Right. But maybe, maybe that's what she has in mind. Can't trust Jimmy Bus. No, you can't. No, not I've, at all. I've told you they <laughs> saw him at the the three a.m. Yeah. Vegas slot machine, uh, the kiss slot machine in, in Bellagio. <laughs> right. So that sounds like a man you can trust. I saw him at. Um, I saw him wandering aimlessly between the Bellagio and the Vidara uh, with <laughs> his, with his luggage in between kiss machines. Like he didn't know where he was going. So that was that was that happened. I think this past summer. Well, <laughs> congratulations. He, he needs a personal assistant too. He does. Byron Scott. Now that Kobe's retired. Uh, yeah, may or may not be available. All right, worst defensive player of the year. This is a great category. Yeah. This this is a star-studded list of players. Uh, we've got one nominee is Kobe Bean Bryant, who did not care at all no. the entire season. And when he did care, it was at the detriment to his team, namely the Rodney Hood game. Uh, right. He just face-guarded Rodney Hood. I appreciated that. At the of the Jazz scoring like 75 points at half. Rodney Hood lights him up for like eight 30 three- points in the first half. Yeah, eight three-pointers in like 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. Not even 22 minutes. Like, yeah, 17 or 17 something 17 like minutes that. or something like that. And then he spent the rest of the game saying, you're not approaching my record. <laughs> and did a good job. Yeah. Sure, yeah. the Lakers lost by 48 points, but <laughs> but he won that small victory. I did love that in the 2-1-1 fast break where Rodney Hood's coming down he one way, ran. Shelvin Mack running down the other way, ran away from the ball. I honestly thought Shelvin Mack was going to miss a layup because of how bewildering that must have been <laughs> to see an NBA player do this. Right. I mean, the, the dedication to a goal that yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. Kobe Bryant... Uh, and it just was bad throughout the year, to be right. clear. Rajon Rondo, also on this list. Doesn't he, um, That's a guy who cares less than Kobe Bryant about defense. You think? Yes. Okay, like, I, I think he cared, like, sometimes. He cared, okay, he cared for the first screen. Never sure. any of the second, like, for the first five seconds of, of a possession, I feel like he right. tried. To be fair, that's a lot of effort. 24 seconds of effort on defense. That's, <laughs> that's asking a lot. And, a, like, more than once per game. Right, and he used to be. I mean, what's worse That's is he thing. used to be very good. Yeah, and he doesn't have the excuse that Kobe does, right? Kobe's ancient right. and his joints no longer work. Like Rajon, clearly, we've seen him on offense. He can move. Right. He's he's the knee injury isn't affecting him anymore. Right. He's just terrible defensively because he doesn't care. Right. That's that's a bummer. Um, our third candidate, Ennis Cantor, sometimes does care. When he does, it's in the wrong direction. It's sure. like he's got his vector is of the right length, but in the wrong orient. Sometimes I wonder if he has vertigo on defense, only on defense, because he does look like he looks wobbly. Yeah, and he he doesn't challenge anything ever. No, he's, he's always off balance. Right. I yeah. For for a big strong guy, he gets moved around quite a bit. That's true. I feel like you think. I mean, what do you think about his post defense? I don't know that it's that applicable, but I, I think he's a decent. I mean, I think it's better than mine. Okay. So, that, <laughs> so he's got that going. Well, I mean, you would hope so, right? That he's. I mean, NBA I'm not player. certain that it's better than mine, but I think it is. Also on his resume uh, is the fact that he has the worst defensive plus minus for a center in the league for the last three years. 
uh, so this running. Is a, this is a legacy so award. So this is a little bit of a legacy award. Let's go ahead and announce the, win the winner. Well, it's Ennis Cantor. It is Ennis Cantor. And, it, and that's not because this is a jazz-centric no, show. No, you chose this, Zach. Right, this me. was me. He's that bad defensively that I didn't think it was – I really didn't think it was that close. I also just think that – Center bad centers kill you much more defensively than bad perimeter players. Right, because they're supposed to make up for the bad perimeter players. Yeah, they have to guard their man and yeah. any other mistakes. And I, you know, you look at the Jazz being last in the league defensively two seasons ago, and you wonder why. Right. Uh, well, it was because you had Trey Burke and Ennis Cantor as a. You, you went from one extreme to the other yes. in so many ways. <laughs> exactly. All right, and we've got the night's biggest category, the one you've all been waiting for, the one. That uh, we're now four hours into the show, <laughs> and we're still considering not announcing it. It's the least valuable player. The We've got four candidates in this one. Nominees. Some people have already made appearances. Yeah, in fact, all of these candidates have made appearances. Rashad Vaughn. Rashad Vaughn. Again, just a reminder, shot 30% from the field in over 1,000 minutes. But did discover IMDb. <laughs> did, did discover IMDb. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier, the league's... Uh, least win share holder in that okay. he has negative 2.1 win shares. That's Closest is our third candidate, Kobe Bryant, with negative 0.4 win shares. Ooh. So he, he led the league in that statistic by a significant amount, Mr. Moutier. Of course, both of those first two guys are rookies, and we feel kind of bad about that. Right, and then Kobe is Kobe. the exact opposite of a rookie in that he is on his last legs, not his first legs. And in particular, could have done better and just didn't. Like, I, I feel like... If he just takes fewer shots, that would have been awesome. But right. Oh well. And then we have our worst starter of the year, PJ Hairston, a man so bad that even the Memphis Grizzlies wouldn't play him. Instead, going with like Xavier Munford, and I'm not even sure that that's how you pronounce his name. Take take this for what it's worth, but negative 0.3 win shares, 5.7 per, ooh, 43.8 true shooting percentage. Well. Color me interested. That's tough. What is John Hollinger doing, by the way? I know he's not actually GM, but right. like if I'm I gotta think this is all Chris Wallace. Uh, okay. That that's what I gotta think. Uh, like if I'm if I'm associated with that organization, I'm like, why am I signing Ryan Hollins and PJ Hairston and having to play them major minutes because I haven't signed or traded for anybody else? I did see John at the Warriors seventy three win because they were playing the Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. uh, and he did drop a a nice Iron Eagle 2 movie reference on me, which is okay. great. So that's my that's that's what he's doing with the Grizzlies right now, as far as I know. <laughs> that's, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I just hoped for better for sure. him in the front office, right? For the Grizzlies this year, PJ Harrison shot 23% from three. <laughs> you got you to gotta keep playing him. On on 6.6 .6 attempts per 36 minutes. Oh, man. Yeah. Dave Yeager's a good coach, too. He is. This should be a good team. Right, and you get injuries. Right. And honestly, they were a pretty decent team after the injuries compared to, like, they beat the Clippers once, basically. They set a record with 28 players in a season That's pretty because they didn't want to play PJ That they Hairston. made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. That they made the playoffs regardless is still pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. All right, let's go ahead and announce it. Drum roll. Well, it's perfect that we're playing Oscars music because the winner is Mr. IMDb. No, it's not Mr. IMDb himself. It's PJ Hairston. Who did have one of the most hilarious flops. In NBA history. I misread the card there. That was <laughs> you very... did. That's a very Steve Harvey moment uh, for you. My bad. Well, now Rashad Vaughn is going to be devastated. 
He didn't. Didn't. He only won one salty this year. Right. Not only two. one. You didn't get to sweep. Well, it's still the, the these nominees and award winners should be honored having yeah. been a part of the first salty award presentation. Right. That's your hope. I think. I mean, what's the? What should the trophy be? <laughs> I kind of feel like <laughs> maybe 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 the X from from Family Feud just bronzed. Maybe that's what <laughs> that's it should fine. be. Can it like salted somehow? I mean, oh yeah, that... like a yeah, like salted like a margarita glass. Yeah, that's okay. what it should be. <laughs> this is really getting away from us. We're not exactly clear what you guys win, but uh, congratulations to PJ Harrison, Ennis Cantor, Byron Scott. It's a great honor. PJ Harrison again, Rashad Vaughn, and Ty Lawson for winning tonight's awards. And for you other terrible p- people in the NBA, there's always next year. There is. I mean, uh, I'm really honored and inspired for all these guys out there. This upcoming rookie class, which does not look as good as this year's. By the way, this year's rookie class was great. These were actually pretty bad candidates. Um, Pretty good candidates, I should say, for (laughs) for this award. But uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there next year. Right, yeah. There's a a lot more shots to miss. There's a lot more defensive rotations. Just Um, don't work out the summer, and you too could be Ty Lawson. Right, and Byron Scott, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't get fired. Yeah, exactly. Get Jim Buss fired. Don't get you fired. (laughs) That's that's the important steps. All right, got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking, going around the NBA, talking about all the different coaching changes uh, and whether or not this new kind of new-ish NBA idea of having a head coach and, and president of basketball operations be the same person. That's a good idea. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show. I'm Andy Larson, Zach Harper joining you as well. Uh, Let's go around the NBA as per the music shows, but I guess that's what we're doing. Uh, We've got a bunch of different coaching pieces of news, so we're going to start there and have a little discussion about that. First of all, the Minnesota Timberwolves hired Tom Thibodeau uh, today to be their coach and president of basketball operations. Scott Layden, the former Jazz GM and former New York Knicks GM, now Spurs assistant general manager, will be moving to Minnesota as well uh, to be that team's general manager. Kevin Garnett also coming back for the his 22nd season in other Timberwolves news. That's the most seasons in NBA history. Is it? Wow. Yeah. It will beat Kevin Willis and I believe Robert Parrish, who both had 21. Okay. So... That's something. That's a lot. Uh, what do you make of the tips thing? I mean, obviously you're you're a Minnesota Timberwolves writer and, right. and fan from the Sacramento days. And, sure. And what do you What do you think? I know he wasn't your first choice. Yeah, he's not my first choice. I, you know, there's some people very convinced that the minutes thing with him is overblown. I don't know how we know that. I don't know if it's overblown. I don't know if it's if it's you know, uh, you know, kind of overstated or or understated. Um, some people look to. You know, Chicago played Jimmy Butler just as many minutes this year and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think that disproves that maybe Thibs was a problem right. with that stuff. So I I guess we'll find out. I don't know that I want that being experimented with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, but mm-hmm. that's the situation. I would have liked Jaron Collins. Um, he seems to be kind of the, the next hot assistant coach name around. I think he's very smart. I think he's yeah. just very good with analytics, you know, coaching balance and all that stuff. So that's the guy I would have liked to kind of grow with this team. 
Uh, but they're going to be good right away. I have reservations about the the dual role of president and coach because I think that's a tough one to pull off. But uh, they trust him. Yeah. No. As, so a couple different thoughts there. Um, one, I, I think having a it, it depends so much to me how good Tom Tableau's bench is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and and so having Gorgie Jang at least behind Carl Anthony Towns, he remember asked the Bulls front office very specifically to draft Jang right. ahead of Tony Snell in that draft. Um, so clearly likes Jang and, and uh, you know, wanted him then and right. is probably happy to coach him now. Well, it's probably willing to give him reasonable minutes so that Carl Anthony Towns doesn't play 45 minutes a game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, maybe that's less true because his backups are, you know, Shabazz and, and Tayshaun Prince or whoever right. they end up getting in that spot. Uh, so, yeah, you're right that it's kind of a risk that you wish you didn't have to see play out with a young team, yeah. right? I mean, I also look at, like, all right, now Fibs' defense with Carl Anthony Towns, it's Andrew Wiggins, be, and Ricky Rubio is going to be pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, Quinn Snyder called him the dean of all defense. Right. Actually, and I, <laughs> I, I, like, I've never forgotten that. Like, I think that's such a good phrase for who he is and what he's, he's so good at. Uh, and as far as the coach and president dual role, I agree. I don't think it's a, it's a great idea. I think having Scott Layden, though, uh, in the front office with you is, is a big help with that. Yeah, well, I guess that's my question is that I think people, at least not around here, in, in more of a national perspective, remember him from the Knicks days. Right. Which was, which was an bad. unmitigated disaster. Like, it was, it was so bad. And he wasn't great here. I, I yeah. mean, I, you know, he acquired Jeff Hornacek and, and Jeff Malone. Those were, were good deals. Uh, but you know, didn't really put a great supporting cast around right. John and Carl. He came back and was an assistant coach at one point. Yeah, yeah, under yep. Jerry Sloan. Yeah, which was weird. Um, yeah, after, that after the weird. Knicks, Yeah, he became the the fourth uh, assistant coach basically after okay. the Knicks debacle. So, but you know, maybe he has some of the Spurs rub off on him. <laughs> right. I mean, he's been years. with the Spurs since 2012. I like to think like maybe I'm just going off recency here. Like, if he's not in the main role, then maybe it's okay. Yeah, I. I I don't think he's stupid, and I, I right. I don't know. I I mean, the, the ownership and the and the people around him probably matter in that yeah. in that respect, right? Of like what he can and will do. I don't know that Glenn Taylor's that that guiding force that you want because he's not. He doesn't have a great history. Um, he's not a disaster. He's just not a plus. Uh, maybe maybe him with Thibodeau will be will be that right combination. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I suspect he's better in a secondary role than a, a probably right. GM shot caller role, and so. Maybe given that having you know someone else running that, even if that is just Thibodeau, because obviously you're you're not gonna have him jump, you're not gonna have Scott Layden jump from the Spurs to the the Wolves for not an upgrade, right? Right, exactly. You can bring in a third front office guy. Right. There's there's an idea that Milt Newton, who who was the assistant GM to Flip, or who was the general manager to Flip, and then uh, took and then took over after Flip's passing, um, that if he wants to stick around. He can stick around. I can't imagine you're going to take that. I don't even know if you want to call it a slight or whatever, but right. that that seems like a downgrade if you're Milt, Milt Newton and you probably want more than that. In the same way that Sam Hinkie didn't take it. Right, exactly. Uh, Earl Watson signed back with the Phoenix Suns, now has the interim label removed, three-year deal. I don't know what to make of Earl Watson as a coach yet. I, I right. can't tell if he's good, basically. The uh, Suns released a video of players praising him. The Suns, yeah, their players love him. They're all about him, I, yeah. I have uh, no doubt about that. I have no idea if he's good X's and O's yet. I mean, they just lost so many games. Right. At the end of the last well, uh, after he took over, they were the worst offense in the NBA. Yeah. But, 
I mean, look at who they're playing. Like, how, what is he supposed to do with that team? Right. No, and then, and then you know, he's starting two centers, but on the other hand, that's probably, you know, two of your four best players right, are exactly. centers. So yeah. maybe it makes sense to start them. So I, I just have no sense of how good Earl Watson will be. Uh, and so, I, I don't know, a three-year deal kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the Kings apparently have 17 candidates for their job. If you have ever thought about coaching a game of basketball in your life, you are going to get an interview. Yeah, which I don't think is unreasonable. There's got to be a limit. You, I mean, I I want the best guy for the job, right? Now, here's who I would not bring in, Brian Shaw. Because, Didn't, I mean, I, I know that you like former Nuggets coaches. Right. However. Well, here's the thing. That, <laughs> is that his problem was he lost the locker room. Right. George Carl's problem was that he lost the locker room. Yeah, I don't. Why? So why are you going to bring a guy who just had problems with that? Yeah, I don't anticipate him and Boogie Cousins working well together. I wouldn't bring in Mark Jackson. No. Because I just don't think he's I don't think good, he's good or good smart leader. or a person. Right. Uh he's very paranoid with other with his assistants getting credit. Yeah. Which is that's not a great working environment. Um I guess Sam Mitchell may get a an interview. You know Mark Jackson's hated in Utah, right? Oh, from oh, because he played here. He played here for one season right. and tore apart the locker room in a him versus John Stockton battle as to who should be the starting point guard. Yeah, I mean, he he demoted Brian Scalabrini to being the D League coach, or right. had him demoted because Brian Scalabrini was getting credit for the work he was for the work that Brian yeah. Scalabrini was doing with for players. His team, right? That's it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, no, Mark Jackson's a terrible person. Yeah, but Lindsey Hunter, who. I think I can say this because he said it on air before. Okay. He said it on Zach Lowe's podcast. Cool. Uh, Lindsey Hunter basically threatened Ethan, Sh- Ethan Sherwood-Strauss. No repercussions. <laughs> well. So, there you go. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fine. That's a great That's a great work environment. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're certainly not going to. Right. That's, that's good behavior. Get those reporters out of here. Here's who I, here's who I think is going to do it. Uh, I think Vinny Del Negro is going to get the coach. I, I'm fine with that. I think like, it's a, I think it's a good enough choice. Yeah, he's he's not a great coach, I don't think, but I, I think he's decent. Yeah, he had success in Chicago. He had success in in L.A. with the Clippers. He has very real limitations with yeah. what he can do, but I think he's a better coach than we remember him as. Who's the best coach out there now? I mean, Dave Yeager in a week. <laughs> okay, you think uh, he's gone? Is he gone, Dave Yeager? Sounds like it. Okay, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I don't know. A lot of people kind of think, well, a lot of people thought he was going to be gone and then go take the Minnesota job, which clearly is not going to happen. Right, okay. Um, I don't know. Like, Jeff Van Gundy. Like, is Jeff Van Gundy the best coach out there, even though he's been gone for, what is it, like eight years now? Yeah, but he, he knows, like, he knows the deal. I think he I think he could adapt very easily to the current NBA game. Do we have a, do we have a Hubie Brown situation where he just goes and, does great work on broadcasts forever. Some people don't like Jeff. Ing- I think he's great on a broadcast. I think he's great. Yeah. I think he's amazing. I, and um, I'm fine with that if he stays. Yeah. And, and, the, and then goes back to coaching. Yeah. Uh, I would say Jeff Hornacek, too. Uh, yeah, Hornacek's is, in there. He's a good coach. And Scott Brooks. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he'll be hired by the Washington Wizards. Right. At least it's, it's likely. Go get Durant. I mean, if he brings you Durant, you hire, <laughs> you hire whoever that is. You hire Kevin Durant's little brother right if if it brings you kevin durant that's a good idea <laughs> does he have a I would, brother? I, I would, he has a brother okay so hire him up three million dollars a year and it's worth it three million it's, a, it's low on the coaching scale wow. but uh, oh coaches, wait I, th- I thought we were talking about as an assistant oh no i was i'm head oh, coach. the actual head coach 
Sure, why not? I mean, I, I assume that hiring him as an assistant is not good enough. Yeah, that's true. To bring Kevin over. Yeah, you have to respect the family. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Crawford won Defensive Player of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year. We already talked about that. Uh, Phil Jackson and Kurt Rambis are one of our uh, salty nominees for Worst sure. Coach of the Year. Going to lead a mini camp on the triangle for the Knicks players this week. I bet that's going to be riveting for the players. I'm sure it will be 100% attended. They're going to love it. And they're going to they're going to tell their grandkids about this mini camp someday. I'm sure they're going to be telling all of their NBA peers about how much fun it is right. and why they want to come to New York. Hey guys, we're going to camp. Oh, is that like a new club? No, that's an actual camp. <laughs> we're going to learn the triangle. Yikes. Uh Avery Bradley got hurt in game one of that Celtics-Hawks series. That uh, unlikely to play in the first round and therefore probably again in the playoffs because the Celtics are down two games. Uh, the salary cap next season will be $92 million. That was projected, right? Or that, was it projected, it was projected like 90 like 90 So yeah. that's actually even more than people thought it would be, uh, which means basically the Jets have like $30 million in cap space. Uh, I'm, I'm available. Uh, it's incredible. They have 11 roster spots filled already. Yeah. And... $30 million to fill them and a starting lineup, basically, right? Like, right. we kind of know what the starting yeah. lineup is. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think they're going to go for him, but uh, Chris Wallace is convinced that they are going to, that the Grizzlies are going to re sign Mike Conley, whereas there are other people around the league that are convinced that Mike Conley is going to leave. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like, I, if, I've never heard Quinn Snyder talk as, as positively about a player as he has Mike Conley. He's, he's really like an under the radar star. Like, he's yeah. so good. He's so good on both ends of the floor. See, I think if you if you can have that conversation and get him to sign with the Jazz, I think you do it and in deal with the consequences later. Yeah, and in a heartbeat. Now, he's a free agent, and 28 teams have max cap space. Like He's not going to sign with the Jazz. Cause, but not 30 teams. But not, so you've eliminated two. <laughs> who are the two teams that don't? The Cavs and who else? I would just assume the Is Nets. The Warriors? Do the Warriors? Oh, have? the Warriors definitely don't have any. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, the Nets. Well, they would have to finagle some stuff. They could get cap space to get Durant. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. But right. can't sign. Probably not doing it for Mike Conley. They have a point guard. Seems unlikely. <laughs> Although, could you trade Steph Curry for Mike Conley? Well, not for Mike Conley, <laughs> but maybe you trade him for Durant, bringing Mike Conley. Oh. I don't know why you would ever do that, but <laughs> sometimes you get bored playing NBA 2K in franchise mode. You start making crazy trades. <laughs> I wonder what would happen. If- <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 a possibility for sure. I mean he's a free agent, so you can't actually trade him. But sign and, and trade, sign and trade still exists. Thunder, Thunder are gonna love that. Yeah. Uh, and then our our man, the winner of mascot of our mascot bracket, he last won? week. Yeah, Benny the Bull. Oh. Benny the Bull won our mascot bracket. I don't know why I thought somebody else won. Uh, you were there the whole time. I know. <laughs> I have no recollection of it. I know we moved the Jazz Bear farther than I was. Comfortable that with. I was comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, that, that's fair. Felt rigged. Um, but Benny the Bull is retiring. That's or at least the man within the suit is retiring. No word yet of if they'll find a new person or a new mascot or what. What I the deal is? You should have to have a new, a new suit, a new outside. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. Like, what if that doesn't fit your persona? It's very sad. Uh, Zach Lowe linked on. This is very great. No, I, no, that was great. <laughs> Keep that going. <laughs> it's very uh, soothing. Zach Lowe linked to in our, the video on Twitter of Benny the Bull's appearance on Jerry Springer, mm. which is much watch, must watch television. It's great. I mean, it's amazing how someone in a costume that doesn't move can emote so well. There was a there was a time where I watched an unhealthy amount of Jerry Springer <laughs> after school. So like I went to school 
became like learned. High school? Yeah. Like college? No, high school. Okay, still. Like, went to high school, got all my learning done from the day, and then forgot it all while watching Jerry Springer. <laughs> like, that was my, that was 14 to 18 for me. Uh, where does that say about where you are now? I mean, that's, there's like the, the blind squirrel theory that even a blind <laughs> squirrel can find a nut. Like, I think that that's, that's what, it, that that's, was me. No, I, I think that's fair. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just an, like tomorrow, I'm going to go talk to kids from my high school who are seniors, graduating seniors, and tell them what post-college life is going to be like. Yeah. I have no idea what to tell them. Well, I went, I went and talked to a friend's journalism class okay. and told them my my lesson to them was, I never took a journalism class in my life. You don't need it. And he was like, <laughs> maybe let's not have this conversation like this. So that didn't go over great. <laughs> so we have no advice well, for Well, what anybody. do you want me to do? Lie to kids? Right. Yes, actually, is what they wanted. <laughs> Work hard and definitely stay in or, Mr. Uh, just work medium. Work medium. Yeah. A lot of people don't work hard. That's true. If so you just work medium. Just don't work at all. Yeah. Media is actually a very busy, easy business to get into. The, the bar is low, I feel like. <laughs> Me clearly. I haven't <laughs> learned a thing. <laughs> all right. We have to take a break five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> on our next segment, we're going to do LOL Lakers. So stay tuned for that. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. When I find myself in times of worry, Steph Curry, it comes for me. He will be the answer, Steph Curry. And when the brokenhearted throughout the league, they all agree. I think we all agree after 403, Steph Curry is the answer. He is. That is a, it's a legitimate religious experience being in the building in Oracle Arena when he has the ball. There, I've never felt energy like that. And I got to watch some pretty cool Pacers heat games with LeBron versus Paul George in the playoffs and some pretty cool LeBron versus Spurs games in the playoffs, in the finals. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt that. Yeah, you've now pushed me back into the depression stage of, of, of grief about the Jazz not making the playoffs and having the chance to witness that. If it makes you feel better, the second game I saw this last week, he got hurt. So... <laughs> Right, I guess he may not have come here even. Right. Look at it that way. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Bargaining. Sure. Sweet. Back there. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> first of all, just quick playoff update from tonight. Uh, Cleveland beat Detroit 107-90. Miami beat Charlotte 115-103. to 103, And the Clippers lead the Blazers 8-2 uh, on TNT right now. So both of those series, by the way, with the games that just ended at 2-0, and I don't know, in, uh, with two minutes played so far, the Clippers-Blazers series also trending that way. Yes. Uh, let's do LOL Lakers really quick. So we're laughing at the LOL Lakers about the Tom Thibodeau news, and in particular because of Adrian Wojnarowski's article today that's saying that the Lakers missed their chance at signing Tom Thibodeau uh, saying basically Thibodeau would have been very interested in, in signing with the Lakers as, as being their coach, believing he could lure free agents 
uh, to L.A. due to his ties with USA Basketball and all sure. of that. Uh, it's interesting because it's a little bit of a fuzzy tie, right? Like, the Lakers never really tried. They still have a head coach. But if I'm a Laker fan, I'm pretty upset that I could have had Tom Thibodeau and not Byron Scott. Yeah, I would be furious. <laughs> I mean, here, like, we also had a report a month ago or two months ago or whenever it was, sometime this season, that Tom Thibodeau would walk to New York to take that job, right? Like, he would walk, physically walk to New York in order to take that job. And they have an opening, technically, and it was never even really discussed. Right. Uh, from what I heard over the last week, the job, the Timberwolves' job was his to, if he wanted it the entire time, even though they were going to interview other people, and that he very much wanted that with both roles. So yeah. I'm not really buying this this Knicks thing. I'm not really buying this Lakers thing, but that's just based on what I heard. No, that's that's completely fair, and I think I, I don't think he gets certainly the president of basketball operations role at either L.A. or New York. Certainly not. No, because no, no. Phil's not giving him any right. Phil's any kind not of control. giving him anything, and I don't think the buses are giving uh, giving away cup checks essentially. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh yeah. I, I I mean, it's just it's a bummer for the Lakers, just because Byron Scott is still their coach. Yeah, like that's the opposite of what Byron Scott is, right? Is Tom Thibodeau, like a guy yeah. who can coach defense and who actually cares enough to, you know, communicate to his players. Uh, I saw a Kyle Korver quote. I can't remember from where, but I saw a great Kyle Korver quote today about Tom Thibodeau, basically saying like, "No one teaches defense the way he does. No one teaches the these details of the game in the way he does." And that if you, like at the time, if you went to Chicago while Kyle Korver was there you would become a good player no matter what because of the teaching. And that's that's a big deal. You need the, That's what they need is that player development more than yeah, anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly on the defensive end. But yeah. on, on the offensive end, too, they need to figure out how to become good players. Yeah. And D'Angelo Russell's not getting that from Byron Russell. Brian, Byron Scott. Byron Scott. He's not getting it from Brian, Brian Russell, Russell either. <laughs> Brian Russell. Brian Russell's has... been a horrible Lakers coach <laughs> this entire time. So I completely agree. That's a bad mistake. Uh, no one's pushing off of him at all. Right. Pushed him off Yikes. the coaching seat, tell you yeah. that. <laughs> all right, that's our show for today. Thank you guys for listening. Check out, if you missed any of the show, it'll be uploaded on saltcityhoops.com as a podcast as well, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Thanks so much for joining you. Us, Zach Harper, Andy Larson signing out.